What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It presents a history of sitcoms through WandaVision. Of course, I'm your host, Blake Schultz, and with me today is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And Jamie Jarek. Greetings. And we are in episode five, a very special episode. This is it. I, this this is now my favorite one. I cannot believe some of the stuff we're about to talk about. D- avoid spoilers. Stay away from us. We're going <laughs> to get really into this. This was insane. We had the 80s. We had S.W.O.R.D. We have crazy cameos. We have so much information. Guys, what did you think of this episode? Give me some thoughts. I mean, I, I, I agree it was the best solely because, I mean, it was the first one we got that was half sword, half sitcom. So like it was the best of both worlds. And obviously the ending is changing the fabric of Marvel forever, uh, which is very exciting. Um, and we got badass Wanda uh, and that, I can't wait to talk about that uh, family ties slash growing pains opening. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's glorious. Uh, yeah, no, I loved it. As soon as I, before I clicked it, I saw that the running time was 42 minutes. I was like, oh, yes, we're getting longer. This is going to be a good time. I'm, I'm all in. Uh, and, and I, I was in from head to toe. I, I'm an eighties kid. Uh, I, I was cognizant and, and aware of what I was watching. So family ties is a big part of me, that era of comedy. So as soon as I saw the airbrush come up and the paintbrush, I was like, yeah, here we go. I know all of this and I know all of it. I couldn't stop smiling from ear to ear. From then to the point of uh, Wanda coming out of that bubble and just wrecking shop saying, hey, don't F with me. <laughs> I was all in. And there are so many small threads that are placed in this episode too, outside of the big stuff that we see. Like we get Monica possibly being powered because her, her DNA and stuff is no longer the way that it used to be. I was like, this is, we're, we're just going all in. I'm in. And possibly there's something going on with her and Carol that's not okay. And right. The, so the, the way she responds to hearing Captain Marvel's name, she is not about the, the happiness who the little girl who made that outfit back in the day. And I uh, love that we keep getting these we're the audience in Darcy, Jimmy, and them. When he has the, oh, you know, Wanda could have taken out Thanos. There was a blitz. <laughs> so is Captain Marvel. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm on a playground at recess with all my friends. This- it's conversations we've had, Blake. <laughs> yeah, I, I tweeted a joke like, this is literally Marvel Twitter. Like the, the who is stronger between Carol and, and, and Wanda comes up all the time on Twitter. I, it, it's all I see. And every time I see it, I love it. I'm never tired of it. I could watch her wrap Thanos around for hours. It could be the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. This was the world building in this episode was incredible because I feel like the implications of their DNA not being the same implies that this bubble, this hex, which I also love the hex <laughs> comments. I was yes. disappointed when they were like, Does she have a silly name? We were like, No, it's just Wanda. And I was like, You put some respect. We're getting it. Yeah, we have. Elizabeth Olsen has said that we're gonna get Scarlet Witch. It's coming. Uh, I was I couldn't believe it didn't happen in that moment, but it's gonna happen. Uh, But I just love it. These could all be the X Men. This bubble, if her DNA is gonna be altered, this could be our gateway to MCU X Men. 
or the start of it. We could find right. out that everybody has had dormant powers, a la how they do it in Deadpool. We, they just aren't awake yet. The Mind Stone woke up hers and Pietro's, and now we're going to wake up all of these people, and then we're going to wake them all up. And then the cameo to end all cameos. I, I, at, at 12.40, I screamed like uh, a small child. <laughs> I was like, it's well, like because I think I had talked to people and I was like, oh yeah, I definitely see that Pietro was going to be at the door. Like, I think that she's going to get quicks. So what I thought, however, was that we were going to get out the quicks over that she knows, not the one that we got. I had read some stuff that that indicated that it was going to be Evan Peters. So I, I thought he was actually more likely, but I still like didn't believe it. Um, I just, even though like I read rumors, seeing him, seeing Evan Peters in the MCU, oh boy, I'm just, I can't get over it. I've watched it three times because I'm just so amazed. Oh yeah, it's it's the thing that I don't think anyone believed could happen. Now we have bought the studio just for this one moment. Uh, <laughs> we're getting everything. I remember a time where we didn't think Spider-Man was going to be in these movies. I remember a time where we thought the X-Men was a pipe dream. And we are now just, the endless possibilities, except for a solo Hulk movie with distribution rights at Universal. But yeah, that's that, a different that's not happening. But we'll get there. Uh, can, we, can somebody do like some kind of, just put Ruffalo in The Incredible Hulk. It's somebody, like, they, we have the technology, please. <laughs> I want that so bad. It can be the same movie. I don't even dislike <laughs> Norton. I, I have no problem with Norton. It's just, I want to see Ruffalo do it. Well, we might be opening this up more than we realize. Maybe we'll get uh, some old school Rhodey and old school Hulk showing up. Everybody oh who's been God. recast is back. <laughs> it's so funny. I my, my wife, and this is probably a lot of audiences too, my wife did not... She has seen the X Men and she's seen Quicksilver. I mean, uh, the 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 MCU version, but she did not realize that that was the Quicksilver for that. And I explained it to her then. And the first thing she said was like, "Please don't bring back Norton." And I was like, "I agree." There's a there's a lot I, of I things. don't well they. <laughs> I was Norton. I'm pretty sure was like a problem with Norton. So <laughs> right. I don't. They're like I think that was a Terrence thing too. Like Terrence and Norton are kind of like just problematic people. I don't think that they're coming back. Yeah. yeah, the uh, I believe Terrence Howard's situation is that he was the highest paid actor at the time of Iron Man, and then when that dollar bill switched, he said, "I right. want more," and they were and like, "That's we, so cute." And then uh, when he wasn't, bye. yeah, goodbye. <laughs> See, uh, Cheadle is and Cheadle is infinitely better in every way. Like, there's great. just no. When he shows up in Iron Man 2 and does the I'm here, it's me, deal with, deal it. with it. I just was like, this yeah. is the best way to handle this. This is incredible. <laughs> yes. And my understanding of the Ed Norton situation was that he has it in his contract that any script he's a part of, he can just rewrite and do whatever he wants. And when he got on the set, it was like, I have some things to say. Joss Whedon was like, well, then you have other movies to make. And that was the <laughs> end of that conversation. Nice. But we also in this one got what I thought was incredible, which was their first like argument that we see. And it was done in the most genius way. We're going to end the episode, the credits are rolling, and Vision says no. Showing again that Wanda is in full control of this entire simulation. She is restarting the clock every night when she goes to bed and wakes up in the morning. And watching those credits blow away was so akin to too many cooks and other silly sitcom moments. Yeah, I loved it. And then the acting that both of these characters do in this argument, the floating up, the yelling, 
this was a level I had not seen either of them do within the context of the MCU. Obviously, they are both incredible actors with long, right. wonderful roles. But this was, I was, ooh, give me more. Vision anger. was Vision so, Vision was so pissed and angry. And just to see her response saying, you've never spoken to me in that manner was like, oh my God, this is chilling. Like, this is amazing. In his contract, we also solved my little problem of, well, we can just rebuild Vision. Why isn't he in Endgame and anywhere else? It's in his will. Don't bring me back. Yeah. I'm done. Thanos gets that me. That was a smart me. little little thing. Um, I, I love that you brought up Too Many Cooks because somebody else brought this up and I, I didn't think of it, but Too Many Cooks is, I think, one of the most brilliant creations that has ever existed. And listeners, if you have not watched that for some reason, please go Google it. And what is it, like 14 minutes? It's not that long. I don't know. It's 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 the Lars von Trier as Pi, I think, is the single funniest joke in the history of comedy. So check that out. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I would argue it's necessary viewing for a history of sitcom show now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the history of sitcoms, unless there's more to say on this episode, which I'm sure there is, and I'm sure we'll remember it as we go. Oh, one last thing I want to say. When that sword leader says that she joined Hydra voluntarily and Jimmy Woo gets up and is like, that's an oversimplification, sir. I loved it. He's yeah. no Agent Coulson. We can throw this guy out. <laughs> but that's such a smart way of showing how the world will view mutants or even right. superheroes in general. We right. already Power see this divide. Yeah. Right. I also really dug the uh, Agnes. We didn't really talk about Catherine in this, but Agnes being the one person that she has no control of and she's just seeing weird-ish all the time, but the her breaking the fourth wall and being like, can we do this? Can I go and check that over again? I was like, that's amazing. Because whatever's happening in this world, Wanda does not have her in control. It's, it's clearly Wanda and Agnes. They're right. somehow working congruently. Because she we're, we're, do like, when that, that knock happens, she's like, that wasn't me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something else is going on. But that's not what this podcast is about. No. No, no. Let's talk about <laughs> the 80s. Guys, the 1980s was a fascinating time for television mostly because cable television is on the rise. The sitcom as we knew it in the 50s, the 60s and 70s is a dying breed. Kids are now seeing more violence than they've ever seen on television. We're starting to have the conversations of, does it affect the youth? We've had this conversation with rock music before, comic books, now we're gonna have it with television. Soon we'll have it about video games. I'm sure we're having it now about something I don't even know is a medium because I'm an old, old man. TikTok. That would have been my guess. It has to be affecting something. It's definitely affecting me. Um, these conversations are starting to happen. A study shows that a kid will come home from school and see 8,000 to 100,000 murders on television before dinner. A preposterous analogy. And yet, you know, Game of Thrones got up there. Um, yeah. So then amidst all of this, more competition we're seeing shows get more serious we're seeing conversations get more serious shows are now reflecting a changing family we're having dads doing cooking and lawn work stuff we had never seen moms are working and in the middle of this showing our change from the liberalism of the 60s and 70s into a staunch conservatism in the 1980s we have family ties showing us a family rejecting his counterculture parents most of the comedy coming from him finding a way to attain material wealth, something that a lot of kids at that time were starting to go, 
we were so concerned with this. What, what's the problem with having things became a, a, a staunch point of view in the 80s as we pushed closer to a Republican regime, for lack of a better word. A lot of people started going, well, what, what's wrong with having a few things? What's wrong with making a little bit of money? Maybe we've gone a little too far in our neoliberalism. If this sounds like the uh, opposite end of the spectrum we're on now, it is because now we are done with that. Yes, the pendulum <laughs> has swung back. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's, it's funny, the, I, so I, Family Ties, I was familiar with, and I, uh, but I could only remember, because I've seen it as a kid, but all I could remember is Alex P. Keaton was Michael J. Fox, and he was like a conservative kid, but I forgot how much his parents were liberal in that first season, the, the opening credits are like them and like their hippie stage, like with the babies, like, bef and, and before they got their suburban life, and in case people aren't aware, the opening credits, like Terrence had said earlier, is very much, um, I, I think it's like season season two, isn't that? Season comes two, in? they switched to the mm -hmm. painting, yeah. To the painting, but then also, it was also, there's a mixture of growing pains, which is where you show them aging up. Um, but, uh, but the family ties thing, I was really, I watched a bunch of family ties last night because I loved it. I, I, I was so into it's it. It's such um, a good show. Uh, it's really good and I, I was really impressed like only in like the second or third episode Alex loses his virginity and and the girl like kind of ditches him and his dad has like such great advice which is like um you know it's not all like you're gonna have to go through some relationships and whatever and he never got like upset that he lost his virginity he was 17 his dad never like he like made him feel bad about that he just gave him the harsh realities of romances and it's interesting because i googled i googled it um and like the first thing that came up was like one of those stupid parental like conservative websites that was like don't don't think the nostalgia of family ties is good for your children here alex p keaton loses his virginity and i was like oh my god i can't believe like even shows like the family ties yeah. are are getting that kind of backlash it's funny it's a very like obviously family show it's you got the the mother and father the mom and this one the mom's a feminist like super feminist but she's also a hard worker like she's an architect like she's building shit she's making as much money as as the the public broadcasting dad like so that's a two family income you got a republican kid you got a sort of flighty sister and then you got the tomboy so you have a little bit of everything covered and this show while being a comedy and dealing with the stuff just in her family this show if you go through these seasons there's a lot of stuff that this show deals with as far as like assault and and and, and, and losing your virginity alcoholism like it you think of it it does it and it does it in a way that it's handled quite well but then it'll do like the next episode after it'll kind of like all right let's let's calm that down a little bit so we we can kind of go back to being just a straightforward comedy but we're also still going to touch on these issues i know i saw jamie's twitter that she went down the the tom hanks rabbit hole um, I did. I think I deleted that tweet because I decided I wanted to save the the uh -oh. images for when I plug this episode of this podcast. Gotcha. Um, but I do. But I'm glad you brought that up because I watched all three Tom Hanks episodes. I said, did you do the third one? Cool. Yeah. yeah. So the first two are him. Like he took a bunch of money from work, but it was for like a noble cause, and the FBI was after him. But the third one was it's he like crazy. an alcoholic, and he like yeah. hits Alex. And it's really like, and it's Tom Hanks. So it's obviously like a really like, you're in it, you're in this performance. And he like drinks a whole bottle of vanilla, vanilla extract. extract. Yeah. It's like really wild. And, um, but what, I, so what I'm hoping is, I or I'm interested, is Pietro going to be like the troubled uncle? Like, I know we're going to be in the 90s. And um, I saw somebody 
already think that um, mentioned the uncle from Married with Children, and I I'm gonna have to do some Married with Children research. I, I haven't watched that show in 20 years, um, but and I also one that came to mind was Daphne's brother on Frasier, who's like the like kind of the just bumbling like kind of an asshole, drunk like funny right. guy, and and I I don't want Evan Peters to be like too dramatic. Like I don't want him to be fucking Tom Hanks um hitting kids of, yeah um but i but I, I i i have a feeling he there's gonna be some a little bit of drama there i do too i think that i i, I don't i am not of the belief necessarily that that is actually a version of pietro i think there's more to it and so i think it could get dark and i do think like something like mary with children is probably one of those shows or roseanne because i think that this seems to be the episode where we keep seeing those halloween outfits that yeah. seems to be sort of that they they the best show for that because that's they love the Halloween stuff but yeah um this stuff with family ties what what's interesting about the show is that it was a mixture of family ties and growing pains because 80s sitcoms is also when they started doing that invasive music just incessantly throughout the show you're like what where is that music coming from <laughs> why are we just I have a message let's sit down and talk kids this music's going to play while I do this and that was sort of the beginning of, of that and this show <laughs> nails that because every time they sit down and have those talks um that's what happens yeah, a very special a, episode you get a lot of like we got to talk about life and death kids and I might be manipulating the fabric of reality but there was also a lot of uh I think themes of growing up kind of baked into this and not doing it too quickly and dealing with the things you have to deal with. And I feel like that's something else that a lot of these 80s sitcoms had in it too, growing pains. We're about to get to the 90s when I think these shows started becoming about growing up and less about perfection. And I feel like this episode, the cracks are sort of starting to show. And through the kids, we're really seeing this like Wanda having to deal with herself. When the dog mm -hmm. dies, there are, which Tom King Sparky is going to be in it. If we get a robot dog, I will lose my mind. <laughs> I was mad this Sparky wasn't wasn't the green. Let's give me a, so I'm hoping that, yeah, let's bring him I, back in a robot form. I think we're getting there. I'm like, it's all <laughs> there. Um, but we start seeing that here where Terrence is right. They're going to sit down. Let's get in. The music's going to start. And I think this show uses it to show Wanda's hypocrisy a little bit that we start kind of getting into her realizing maybe what she's doing through the lens of having to teach these children. Because when things are perfect, they're perfect. You don't think about your actions. Right. It's when uh, no one really cares when something bad happens until it affects the people they care about, I think is a big theme and a lot of, um, even in, you go back to family ties, a lot of that was the son doing something for his own benefit. And then it being like, hey, hold on. Now this affected other people. You got to, you can't just yeah. go around being a conservative and not caring about people <laughs> as he isolated half his audience. <laughs> we don't need him. Yeah. But it's so interesting. I think, I think when you even look at like the cable television side of this, right? You do have sword coming in and different styles. We saw the aspect ratio change. We were watching a show compete with itself referencing a decade that was constantly fighting against something it had never fought before the rise of cable tv like the rise of streaming like the rise of the home box office like any change in the entertainment industry terrified the people who have been doing it for too long because they are very afraid that things are going to change and disrupt it 
and that's when you had Wanda yeah. reference the first X-Men film with the guns, which was also great. Uh, so yeah. I, I think at, at my work, someone wrote about it, but they said it was inadvertent. And I, I should have read the article, but I didn't. That's a classic mistake. Um, but like that had to have been on purpose. I'm sorry. That could not have been a coincidence. That was she did that. Way think, too close. Yes, it's way too close. And I think having someone like Kevin Feige involved since he was involved exactly. with that too. I, he knows what that shot mean what that means he started <laughs> on that movie right so i'm like he, exactly. he knows what he's doing there yeah. um, he's been waiting to do this since he made <laughs> iron man he's been in the background of daredevil and x-men watching people make mistake after mistake yeah he's been sitting there top by I'm idly by while people just keep butchering the x-men he's like i'm gonna get my chance not I'm that i don't like that's why like i really want like I want all, I just want the same X-Men cast. I don't want them to recast anyone. I want Kevin Feige to have a chance with all those actors. I know that's probably not going to happen. Well, we but know. in my perfect world, we get them all back. He sat down with Patrick Stewart a year or two ago. Yeah. And apparently Patrick mm -hmm. Stewart's response was, I would love to work with you, but Logan was just too perfect. That, that yeah. ended, my character was just too good. Like if, if we hadn't made this movie, I would be <laughs> in the be, MCU. And we know yeah. that he, which, Jackman, by the way, he should have got an Oscar nomination for. But I agree. I, I I, Logan's he, fantastic. Yeah. I have trouble with Logan. I, I've only seen it three times because it's just, it just bums it's, me it's, out. It's, a like, heavy it's movie. so depressing. It's a and heavy it's, film. A, it's a fantastic film, but there's a reason I've only seen it three times. Where uh, I, it's, it's, it makes me so sad, um, which is a testament to, to, James Mangold and like the whole like they did a great job. I just don't want to watch it that often. Oh no, it's a it's not a movie that I put on for funsies. Yeah. Uh, no. But I think also Hugh Jackman was quoted being like, "Yeah, if they brought me in for an Avengers movie, I'd do the character again." Like whatever. It's and if there's one thing Disney has, it is dump trucks of money. It is I've tons seen them of on money. Laurel Canyon. It is it's something <laughs> to behold. <laughs> and they're just it's blowing out of the top. <laughs> Parents, this is your decade. Yeah. The 80s. We are in your world. What are yeah. the other major sitcoms that you would have liked to have seen or noticed that I may not have seen in this? Um, there are a lot of 80s. Like 80s family sitcoms were pretty massive. Like different strokes existed, uh uh facts of life. Uh, Golden Girls, even though it's not a family-based dynamic, it still is a family unit because they're all together. Um there was a little Golden Girls nod that um someone pointed out online um there was like one of the kitchen ornaments like i think it was a lobster was mm -hmm. one of the golden girls kitchen things was in the wandavision kitchen which i never would have caught but i saw it i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't oh yeah. there's a i mean golden girls has a huge huge following and fan base so mm -hmm. i i could see if somebody picked that up that was a huge uh fan mary with children came in towards the tail end of the 80s that's a part of that too um there's a lot of those shows alf was one there too there's a lot of those shows that sort of existed as the bridge between the the mid to late 80s to the to the early 90s um but family sitcoms were just they were just the norm in that in that time like you could i you could watch three in a row perfect strangers another one you could just watch them and you're like oh yeah these are all these are all right here charles uh, charge who's the boss like, charles and charles goes who's on the and boss on. And, yeah uh, you mentioned bridge bridge shows and full house is kind of a bridge show I it's think a bridge show too you know, 87 yeah. and so full house is like that's my my bread and butter i love full uh, I, I wrote about full house so much for buzzfeed that the one of the producers of fuller house told me that they used my article in the writer, writer's room of fuller house because of like because i was the only person writing about wanting to see full house connections um but 
WandaVision's op- the, the growing pains, it was all growing pains and family ties, but there were two slight nods to Full House in that opening. The and like we, yeah, we associate Full House with the 90s, but it technically started in the 80s. And there was the, the, the very end shot on the blanket was very Full House. Same with them like running on, mm-hmm. like running on that field. That was so Full House. And I wish, I feel like they would have done, they, they would consider more Full House, but it's like awkward because of the Olsen. It's a weird, you have an Olsen on board. It's a weird thing to touch onto, especially since that show doesn't, the newer show doesn't have an Olsen involved. It's like, oh, let's just avoid this yeah. altogether. And you know, Elizabeth had a cameo in the series finale of Full House. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. She was in the, she, she of, of all of Mary Kane Ashley's stuff, she, she cameoed in that. She cameoed in How the West Was Fun and my favorite in one, you know, the, the mystery, the mystery videos they did um there's mm-hmm. one i think it's called the curse of the thorn mansion and uh mary kate and ashley go on like their little adventure and elizabeth wants to go with them and uh, she's like five years old she's so cute and they're like <laughs> sorry you can't and they sing this whole song and it goes i'd rather get caught in a twister than have to spend time with my sister b-u-t-t out and they just like <laughs> sing this whole song about how lizzie can't go with them on their adventure uh and it's very adorable and that's I really want a musical episode of this show. So badly. And uh, I don't yeah. think we'll get it, but I feel I like either. it's a need. And I <laughs> feel like I don't know why we're... There's still so much that we can do once this main story is done. I'll have no issue if they're just like, hey, WandaVision season two, don't even worry about the timeline. These are just other episodes. She was just making shows this whole time until they found yeah. her. There's like, we, we, there's 38 of them. Who cares? Um, I think the other, I'd be remiss to say, I know it's problematic now, but the other 80s show that was huge for me was the Cosby show. Like, you, I, I have to say that show was like, for me, was a staple. Like, a, as a black middle class family in Detroit, that was like, oh, wait, there are people like us on television? Because for, for the longest time, black people were either criminals or uh, the, the friend of a friend. So to have an entire show about just them and their walks of life was just, it was fascinating to me. And for a while there, I mean, he was America's dad. I feel like the one thing we are missing in WandaVision is that change in diversity in sitcoms and in media. And it's almost why I'm like, we should, we could have kept Monica in there a little bit longer if only to do some of the things that Wanda and Vision can't, can't? or shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah. Cause it, it, there is such a change in the eighties and the nineties and the thousands of, it wasn't perfect, right? We were living this today. We still have a lot to do, but we were seeing that change in such a big impactful way that it's a shame that we're not gonna see it reflected in the show, especially as Marvel itself is starting to push for more inclusion and diversity in this next phase it's it's we're done with the white straight superhero stories right. they're they're out of the game I mean, they're almost they're almost they're uh, obsolete almost now you might have one like ruffles hanging on by a thread like please <laughs> <laughs> doctors you got doctors yeah, uh, yeah. But, and, and like Ruffalo's coming in like with a on a woman led show and correct um so, so it's and, Hawkeye uh, you it's I have to I have to say like because you brought up Cosby and it's and it's fucking su- sorry I don't know if we curse on the show but I, just I don't did. care I um, always mark uh, that it's not for children on YouTube and on yeah. the podcast um, 
my my aunt asked me actually if if my cousin who's 11 can can listen to this podcast and i was like i mean she can but i don't think she cares about the history of the dick van dyke show <laughs> um but um but the thing like comedy Get it when they're I, young, I was, jamie uh the thing cosby is one of i think it's it's a shame because it's one of the funniest sitcoms of all time i when i was in high school i was so obsessed with it um but i want to i interview i'm not going to say who because it's a little dicey but i interviewed a wandavision cast member recently and i asked their favorite sitcom growing up and uh they said they said Cosby and then and then they had to be like but it's a bummer he's a rapist and all this to the point where their their reps had to be like please don't include that in the interview and right. I'm only saying this here now because I don't think that's going to get back to those people and I'm not going to say any names but it was like a, a tense moment of my interview where it's like yeah that yeah that, you does can't, suck. that is such an influential you, thing it's hard to openly admire that show or praise that show now because you're like ah oh, crap that's right there are issues it with sucks this. yeah it's it's because it's so important on so many levels but and but even if it wasn't take all of that away it's such a good show it's a good show like yeah doesn't uh race uh, irrelevant like it's a, just a well done show it's funny like you mentioned how the, the times are changing and it, it reminded me because they could do some things with WandaVision. They just are actively not. And I guess it's probably not really fitting with the storyline because I was amazed. I forgotten how at the, op the pilot of um, Family Ties, the parents are openly like, there's a the situation that Alex B. Keaton is trying to go into this this club, this like boys, like this main club. And the mom kind of has a conversation with like, hey, I don't know if you want to be there. You know that that, that club doesn't allow blacks or, or Hispanics or anybody that looks different than us than, than us in there. And not really a place that you want to be. And I was like, wow, that there's an opening episode of a mm -hmm. of a new sitcom. like, we don't give a damn. We're just going balls out. This is what we're this is what we're doing. And I was like, oh, that's, that's fascinating that that existed back then. That's what hooked me into into it because I for for the purpose of this show, I only needed to watch a couple episodes. But when I watched what I felt like I needed to, I was like, uh, I'm gonna just keep watching Family Ties. And I literally like, fell asleep last night watching Family Ties. I watched a bunch of it and I might continue watching it. It's, it's um, very I'm, good. And, and, and to the inverse of that, I also watched an episode of Growing Pains. I only watched one because I had to pay for it. Uh, I don't know if you know if there's some secret way to watch Growing Pains, <laughs> but um, yeah. It's gonna be on one I of these weird streaming services I yeah. keep seeing on my Roku, like Philo. And <laughs> so they're yeah. just no name, nonsense, quibby wannabes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I, I meant to buy the pilot episode, but I accidentally bought the first episode of season seven, the final season. And I was mad at first until I realized that was the first Leonardo DiCaprio episode. That's, so that's, I was that's like, when okay, Leo joins I, in. Yeah, I get to watch Baby <laughs> Leo, so that was exciting. But watching it and and I can't I can't really judge it because when a show gets to its seventh season, sometimes it's just not quite there. They're but I was just like, point, and yeah. so maybe if I had started with season one, I'd feel differently. But I was like, I am not getting the vibe. I got with family ties this is just like so basic there's nothing poignant there's nothing there's no good lessons to be had the only thing I really enjoyed other than baby Leo was seeing Ashley Johnson uh because uh when I was a kid I was obsessed with Ashley Johnson because she played Annie in the Annie sequel um and now she's a big deal to a lot of people because of critical role and she but she's also in Avengers all I right. mean, she and like she's she's friends with Joss because she was also in much his much ado about nothing. Um, so it was fun to see that connection, that kind of slight Marvel connection, and she was so yeah. cute. Being um, an eighties, being an eighties baby, I definitely remember when she mm. popped up on Avengers. I was like, oh, 
No hook. Yeah. yeah. Um, but ultimately, the Growing Pains episode did. I was bored. I was like, "Is it? I'm getting back to Family Ties." It's a very, very basic, generic comedy. Like you can swap that. Like I think Step by Step when the '90s sort of goes in that mm -hmm. same thing. Like, oh, there's they're not really putting any lessons or any, or doing anything new here. Where Family Ties was breaking sort of a mold with what they were doing. Well, and that's what you had to do then. That's why I think when we look back, Growing Pains is remembered, but it's also sort of like there. Um, it would be the end of the NBC lineup today. Like it was, you know, it was like The Office, Parks and Rec, two shows we don't remember. Uh, and that was it for a while. Yeah. And then I'm yeah. sure in the not, I'm sure when we get to the 90s, it will be like Roseanne, Seinfeld, Friends. And then what is this? And then like, what <laughs> random show is this? Yeah, Hanging yeah. with Mr. Cooper, how did this get here? <laughs> but, you know, it goes back to it. Like it was, it was harder in the 80s. I feel like for the first time, there was just so much more content and you saw it everywhere right this, this is one of the first decades that so many different things define it and i it, i feel like the 90s gets that too especially with music where when i talk to people and i'm like oh the 90s was like the rise of pop punk with green day and blink and this and someone else is like no it was all about hip-hop what are you talking about it's like well those yeah. are it was all kind of happening. Depending on where, like, gangster rap was happening at the same time that punk rock was happening. They were both sort of exploding at once. So, yeah, it, it depends on your point of view. Uh, I think it's interesting because, like, we've talked about back in the 80s, there were even less. We have streaming. We can watch networks all over the place. There's far less networks. So, yeah, the competition was even higher because you're literally fighting for basically these three-hour blocks on three networks. And that's, yeah. that's the fight. <laughs> and, uh, you know. I feel like the 80s also started having things that influenced beyond the sitcoms. You had so many cartoons. This is also where like, this is where Marvel starts influencing itself in this show even. You had, we were starting to market toys through television. We only had, the Transformers wasn't a real show. It was an ad. G.I. Joe wasn't a real thing anymore. We had brought it back after the adventure team in the 60s to be like, buy more. That's all it was. Just, it was a marketing device that I think it's interesting looking at this episode of WandaVision with all of that baked in because now we're at the climax of all of that. Even the concept of like fandom started in the 80s. You, you're past Star Wars now. You're living in a world where people are congregating in arcades and comic shops and I mean, water cooler talk. Technically, there was a Marvel series on the air at this point in time. The Incredible Hulk existed in the late 70s, early 80s. So like, they could easily be like, hey, we're now, it'd be like Inception type layers at that point. <laughs> but he was like super meta on top of meta, but like Bill Bixby's Incredible Hulk existed at this time. I feel like um, now that we have Evan uh, Peters, anything is fair game. Like, where's Lou Ferrigno? Like, any, like, anything is possible, and I love that. I know no one wants the Star Wars Marvel crossover, except for probably everybody quietly and secretly, but hear me out. Tom Holland has now referenced Star Wars within the context of Marvel. We got to go for the legs like the ATATs. So we know that this exists within the popular culture. Wanda has probably seen Star Wars. So it wouldn't be crazy if in her bubble where everything's fake and nothing's real, <laughs> like, I don't know, her to have a bit conversation with the Mandalorian about raising a kid or Pedro Pascal <laughs> and they just go away. It doesn't need to be canon. I just yeah, want to know that thing. they can do it. I just <laughs> want Disney to show me their full power. 
I would love, I, t- I tweeted that I wanted to see Amy Sedaris and Katherine Hahn like host some kind of event, Disney Plus event together um, as like Pelly Moto and Agnes. But but you say, now that you're bringing this up, it's actually a great, a great sitcom moment that when I was a kid, that was such a big deal was the TGIF night where Sabrina um, went like, ended up like do- making some kind of like decade thing happened and she went to boy meets world she went to every um, show yeah and some other shows and every she went to every show and every show became like a new decade kind of what's happening in um in marvel and i remember vividly watching that live and being so amazed at the tie-in and it would be very fun if disney plus did something like that like you said it doesn't have to be canon but um but if Disney Plus had their own big TGIF event, where that was you know, big in the nineties, like, I remember when, yeah. when Urkel showed up on Step by Step. I lost my mind. I was like, "Wait, what is happening?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was also on Full House. Yeah. Uh, like, like I, I, I've always been a sucker for crossovers. I love crossovers, and uh, and that is that is the epitome of sitcoms of television. That's, and gonna... like, and while and while I don't think I agree, I don't think we're getting a Mandalorian thing. It, I, I do think you, you're right. It's Disney. This is Disney Plus. This is exactly what WandaVision is, and it would be pretty cool if that happened. At the very least, give me another Lego Christmas special and cross them all over there right, them at, all the, at the very least because yeah. that yeah. lego star wars christmas special was a delight and if we this is where i'm like netflix disney plus peacock all of it the best thing that netflix has made for me is the bojack horseman christmas special that just was an episode of horsing around mm-hmm. incredible let's start doing the old shit that we were doing in tv give me the variety shows give me these nonsensical crossover moments and Spend a little bit of money to have Wanda and Vision on Tatooine and not know how they got there and then be like, Wanda, did you make another world? <laughs> and it's clear that they're having fun and they're, they, they're taking some of the fun things that sitcoms do. Because the thing that I kept laughing about was the kids aging up because that happens all the time in sitcoms. Like, and mm-hmm. they'll have a baby one season at the end of the next season. They're like, cool, now it's a five-year-old Wasn't person. Wasn't that playing. Ashley Johnson? Like, that happened in that even, with her? Ashley Johnson yeah. and even Family Ties. Like Andy was born and then the end the next season, he's a, a, a five-year-old running around. like, okay, hold on, guys. <laughs> Wait well, a it minute. even gets into the uh, the very real possibility, as Terrence said, this might not be Pietro. This might not be anything. This could just be a super meta, we recast him joke. This yeah. could just be a sitcom bit, like, which would be kind I mean, of I a hope not, kind of hilarious. But... Like, yeah, it'd be funny, but it would also be sad because they made us think for a minute that oh, we I were mean, getting the X-Men. We're getting the X-Men, but I've said it but, on this I, but show. the X-Men. Well, that's the thing. This is going to give us the X-Men, but when Marvel does the X-Men, they're not going to do it as a backdoor pilot in WandaVision. This is right. going to be a tentpole, come to the theaters when it's safe and there's not a pandemic. Get your popcorn, lose your minds again. The '90s theme song is going to come on, and if it doesn't, I will, I will still enjoy it, but I will be upset while I do it. (laughs) Our opportunities now. We know what works. We did it with Spider-Man. We brought out that '90s logo when we announced Homecoming, and I was excited for years. (laughs) Indeed. All I had to do was see something I grew up with, and I just was like, I. 
It's the same with the Power Rangers movie. I wasn't really feeling it. And then he was like, go, go. I was like, well, shit, here I am. This is a perfect film. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is amazing. (laughs) Uh, It wouldn't be an episode of Hollywood already. If we did not bring up Power Rangers. 100%. I'm nothing if not on brand. We're staying on brand. (laughs) I rebought the same skateboarding hat that I used to have. Uh, We're talking Power Rangers again. Uh, I need to send you guys some very cute pictures of me when I was five with my hordes of Power Rangers memorabilia that I wish I'd My My goddaughter was doing a, a fundraiser and I guess she wanted a, a Power Ranger outfit and she was adamant that she got an original. So she has an original pink uh, Pink Ranger uniform. And I was like, well done. Yes. You just made Uncle Terrence proud. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So this episode, is there anything left to say with this episode and how the 80s relates to it? Is it, what are, what are we, we're coming close to the hour. Not um, that oh, time wow. matters um, in COVID-19. There's, there's, uh, there are two things I'd like to bring up. Um, one is that in the other podcast I do, Phase Zero, which is more of a Mar- Marvel perspective, uh, this week we had Matthew Barry on, um, who is ESPN's fantasy football guy. Uh, that's all I know about that. I can't. <laughs> um, but after um, after the show, we were talk. We were still talking, and he he had a really cool theory that as to why um, as to how we're jumping through the sitcoms. And he and he said that it feels like like we were talking about like family ties. They were really focusing on these these important cult like social issues. That it feels like the more serious things get that's why we're getting further in time um which i didn't which like makes like that's so obvious i was like why didn't i think of that like yeah that and they kind of touch on that in this episode where it's like vision says you go to bed and 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 then you change things and it and it totally makes sense like you know like death and everything though that wasn't necessarily being touched on in earlier decades so now we got to hit it in the 80s and i really thought that was a a cool um a cool point like oh yeah that totally makes sense um and uh uh you know I like to shout out some fun facts. Like, so I did learn one really fun fact about Family Ties. It's such a stupid fact, but like I have to share it. And it's that uh, Michael Grossman um, and Meredith Baxter, those the parents, right? I got mm-hmm. those right. Uh, they were born on the exact same day. Yeah. I really same. think that's funny. The it same is, day, same year. Yeah, it is that, that I, I, so I looked that up and saw that was, that was fascinating too. It's funny too. I, I, it's crazy how much this stuff sticks in my brain because I thought I did not remember anything. And just watching like the first three minutes, the entire episode just triggered back to me. I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this one. I know this one. I know this one. It's crazy how much this series ingrained in me. Uh, and I, I completely, until seeing that intro with the paintbrush, it just unlocked everything. Like, oh, there's the cheat code that was locked away that I put away for, for, for decades. And then that, that brought it all back out. Um, but I, what I really love is that there are moments, um, why Family Ties really worked was that there were moments where the dad got involved with having these, these relationships, talks with the kids that he was very much like, all right, we we'd always seen sort of the mom sit down with them. And now this is the first time that the dads are talking to the boys or the dogs, but more so to the boy. And I, that's why I like this episode when Vision, when Vision sort of hugs them, the hug he gives them when their dog dies and he's like, oh boys, and just comes over. I was like, oh God, that's. That's it. Without even saying any words, that's family. That's the hint, the essence of what Family Ties does. There was actually a really good Family Ties moment in the episode where Alex loses his virginity, where um, where Alex like mentions he's going to go out with a college girl, and um, and the daughter is like, "Well, would you be okay if I went out with a college guy?" And the dad is like, 
uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> and then she, and then she's like, well, that's a double standard. And in he, and like, and the dad looks at the mom and she's like, <laughs> <laughs> and and I love that because there's a, one of my least favorite things in the world is like the overprotective dad like dad with a shotgun kind of a thing like I hate that I hate how common and normal it is for men to control their daughter's bodies and relationships even, and that it's funny that or even that sisters because like, yeah. Alex there's yeah. an episode I think right before that where Alex mm -hmm. tries to do that with someone that Mallory went out with and he screams and berates her when she comes back in, but she handled the situation on her own. He kind of was mm -hmm. like, oh, my bad. You you, yeah. you had this. Yeah. You can handle this. And um, I I just, I really hate that father, that that's like a trope for fathers. And I love that in that moment, he got really called out for it. Like nobody was defending him. Like if your son can date a college guy, then your daughter or girl, your daughter can date a college guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he nailed it. I feel like this was the episode where we got more emotional we got more dramatic we got more violence all of which somehow encompasses the 80s uh which is a <laughs> very interesting thing it is fun seeing as the shows continue us getting more and more like most shows escalate you know we very rarely start with the most dramatic part in the pilot but watching each decade really hit thematically what's going on it really makes me wonder the 90s in theory could be a break from it especially if they're doing modern family which was the show that brought back the family shows. well the 90s would i think the show i mean the two biggest shows that i remember that basically are quintessential 90s would be uh uh married with children and, and roseanne, roseanne. Um, and roseanne yeah. did do a lot of a lot of heavy it gets heavy especially oh, yeah. that, that last season that, yeah that last season gets uh, nuts <laughs> as much as i don't care about the connors and and i watch the pilot out of curiosity but i i do thank that the connors for retconning the end of roseanne which was my least favorite series finale in the history of sitcoms yeah, that last season was just i i jumped Bonkers. off but it was nuts it was i was like what is happening here um yeah, that was one season that I was like, I don't think I need to watch this anymore. And yes, the Connors has uh, actively retconned all of that. Yeah, and and again, like no thank you to, to the Connors, but I do I do appreciate that that they let Dan live. How dare yeah. you kill Dan? Yeah, John Goodman is a treasure. Stop that. Mm -hmm. And we're uh, <laughs> we're getting nine episodes, right? So we have the ninth. Yes. Mm -hmm. Are we just going? To, what are we going to do for? I, are we just going to go nineties to Modern Family? I, skip I think it's gonna go like I think that's what 90s like 2000s because Modern Family did start in the 2000s and yeah. then I have a feeling the last two episodes are, are just, not gonna be are gonna be anymore. more so in oh that's gonna be a Marvel movie what, that's gonna what be what will it. we talk about in the this podcast, history of Marvel TV oh, don't worry, I've, already, <laughs> yeah. I've thought about I'm I'm playing the long game with those last two <laughs> I know exactly uh we can do a whole history of Mar we can just start doing streaming stuff this is all on the I don't I'm gonna leave it in I don't care we go, we'll, do, we'll do our 90s episode. We'll do our thousands episode. We'll see what they give us for the finale. But that's a very easy time to just do a simple history of Marvel as television, which has its own long, long history. It does. So, so just me talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for an hour. First of all, <laughs> hold we on. We do all of it. 
we could that's why we got the 78 bixby incredible hole we're gonna have a good time oh yeah there's a lot to discuss it's just that you know i only i know we're going to just step off and like this is yours james the floor is yours we got some some 90s (laughs) spider-man um and then i think the last episode will be where where we're going where what what, what's good what's next (laughs) what's next uh but what's next for you folks is to subscribe to our show you're going to hit that button on youtube you're going to review it on itunes spotify google podcasts wherever else you find podcasts I, I don't know what the small ones are but you know go nuts soundcloud i guess we don't have a mixtape but it's there <laughs> um of course you can follow the show on twitter at hollywood adi on instagram at hollywood already did it we have a facebook group facebook.com slash group slash hollywood already did it i'm at as always blake terrence at uh, uh terrence is at i am terrence tatum that's your instagram that's terrence, instagram what's your twitter <laughs> <laughs> twitter is at terrence tatum Jamie is at Jamie Cinematics. You're already on the Hollywood Already Did It page where Terrence also does reviews and trailer reactions. We have a podcast called You Can't Do That Anymore where we take problematic movies and we talk about why you can or can't do it anymore and why it worked at the time it came out. Jamie, of course, is all for wonderful work at comicbook.com and BuzzFeed and the comicbook.com's Marvel podcast. And then I do uh, an action figure podcast called How Do You Figure, which is just a real treat. That's it. We're done. Love you guys. Later.